0: Hello, welcome to the CityWire Funds Fanatic podcast. My name is Gavin Lumsden, and today I'm talking to a real veteran of the investment trust scene, Peter Spiller, founder and chief investment officer of CG Asset Management. Peter, very good to see you. Uh, Good morning, Gavin. Lovely to see you. Okay. Now, Peter, you're best known for having run Capital Gearing Trust since uh, 1982. That makes you one of the longest serving fund managers in the UK, although I think Simon Knott at Rights and Issues... Pipsy you to the post on the on the absolute longest. Still, thirty eight years is a long time. Can you tell us a bit about capital gearing trust? Because I know it's, it's one of a small band of defensive trusts that aim to protect investors' money. But um, h- how do you put it? How do you explain it?
1: Well, capital gearing trust is is uh, simply described as, in concept, implying a um, an investment process which allows it to look after all of someone's Uh, financial assets Um, and um, and, uh, for instance mine (laughs) Um, and it would appeal uh, we hope um, to people who have similar characteristics uh, in the risk requirements uh, to my own that is to say it uh, attempts to outperform equity markets over time uh, but also uh, to avoid losing money um, and and uh, to have very uh, low risk of substantial drawdowns. So over the last 38 years, we have had one year uh, when we had a drawdown, which was 2%. Um, when that, that was uh, back when sterling was very strong and there was a, a taper tantrum in bonds. Um, but uh, the other 37 years have all been up. And um, over the, those uh, 38 years, uh, the share price has gone up 200 times. Um, And um, so we hope that we've established uh, with some credibility our uh, our, uh, ability to to, uh, produce good returns, but taking rather below average risk.
0: Okay. And this year, that risk controlled approach has been successful as well. While the FTSE uh, all share, the UK stock market has been tumbling 18 percent, your shares are up. Uh, CGT, capital gearing shares, are up uh, 2.7% uh, up to 27th of July, and uh, the underlying asset value is up a little bit more than that. So um, how do you – yeah, can you tell us a bit about the portfolio? What are you invested in to uh, produce that kind of small gain when uh, equity markets are having such a tough time?
1: Well, the, the, we have um, different pillars to our, to our asset allocation. So our principle, I should just back off and, and say, is that where an asset class has high prospective returns and low risk, we want to earn a lot of it and um, we want to own it uh, with long duration. Uh, the converse is also true that where prospective returns are poor and risk is high, we want to earn very little of it, um, and and um, and what we do earn, we want to be of short duration, if we if we can uh, thus organise it. So we have felt um, uh, for some time that that equity markets were looking very rich. Um, and uh, on top of that, uh, we were we were quite lucky in a way because in at the turn of the year. Uh, a number of of stocks and sectors got very frothy indeed. So one of those would have been um, renewable infrastructure. Um, And uh, were around Christmas, uh, it was just astonishing that the the, the level of premium that these things went to, they they had some very good uh, long-term attractions. Although actually in that particular case, we were quite concerned that the market was much was using forecasts for for power prices that were much more optimistic than than our own forecasts. Um, so we sold all those, um, and we also saw various stocks that we like a lot for the long term. Um, so like Castellum and Investor and Granger all go to to very high ratings relative to their history, and we sold a third of, the, of each of those. Um, and um, so the result of that is that uh, we went into the end of february with with um just 30 percent in risk assets um and that felt uh uncomfortably low i have to say Um, but obviously in march it felt uncomfortably high um and um in March, we we put ten percent to work, so so we moved to forty uh, percent uh, risk assets, uh, not more. But we still have plenty of dry powder, um, and uh, that was because uh, we we thought values were improving a lot, which is why we raised the weighting. Uh, but we didn't think they'd improved to a compelling level, um, and and um, and therefore, by definition, still don't. Um, and uh, we had, uh, fortunately, assets which were asset classes which were offsetting this. So, so tips, for instance, in the United States, that, that's that's uh, inflation protected uh, securities uh, that are issued by the government. Um, and uh, real interest rates were falling; interest rates generally were were, were falling, um, and. They worked very well to offset the the uh, falls in in equities, because one of the interesting features about equities, which we have uh, talked about for some time, is that if the S and P falls dramatically, there is nowhere to hide. Correlations go to one in in equities, including in um, very uh, what we regard as very defensive. Uh, stocks, um, which allowed us to buy at substantial discount what we believed to be very high quality of cash flow uh, uh, companies. Um, and and uh, so that worked out quite well. So all in all, we got very lucky, um, uh, and uh, the results have been satisfactory.
0: Okay, Peter, absolutely. So Peter, you're in, it's a multi-asset fund, you're holding uh, equities and included in the equities is um, quite a lot of holdings in investment trusts. You like buying investment trusts on discounts um, uh, uh, when, when they're undervalued. And then you'll, you've got these big holdings in U.S. Uh, government bonds, inflation-linked ones, the, the tips you mentioned. How much do you have in gold? Because gold is, has done very well, and that's a, a classic sort of defensive investment for, for, for your, your kinds of funds. Is, is gold a big a big asset well, class for you?
1: Of course, uh- we have uh, the uh, the straight answer. Is we have two and a half percent, which is actually significantly less than a number of people who, who uh, have similar number of funds that have similar objectives to ours. Um, obviously, gold has been a great performer uh, uh, over the last uh, couple of months.
0: It's up uh, nearly twenty five percent this year. It yeah, was yeah. early this week, getting close to a two thousand dollars an ounce. So uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it uh, is. but you're not a gold bug. It is astonishing. Why is that? Well,
1: I'm. I do like gold, don't get me wrong. Um, but I have significant reservations, of which I'll get to uh, in a second. Um, and we look at gold as a, um, in comparison with tips. So actually, if you put up a chart of long tips, the 2050 tips and gold, uh, they're very, very tightly correlated. Um, and we have much preferred tips as a way of defending against inflation. So we think inflation uh, it is, uh, will get dramatically higher, um, but um, I won't talk about that in a second. But um, so, so you have the choice, but we much prefer an asset where we can make analysis uh, to, to one where we can't. But we did try and, and look at um, some analytics on gold so, for instance, I uh, for me, a very important uh, feature is that gold is always supposed, the great virtue of gold is always supposed to be that it holds its real value. Um, and so we said, okay, well, let's go and have a look and see what that real value was over history. Um, and so we went back as far as we could with a free market. So Nixon closed the gold window in, in 1971, so it obviously was a controlled price at that stage. Um, But we thought, okay, we'll give it a couple of years to get established and look at August, 1973. So I'm pretty sure that August, 1973 was a pretty favorable time for the gold price. Inflation was was, uh, pretty high. Uh, There was a free market. um, And and as it happens, it was about Um, a hundred dollars. So we applied the CPI in America since then to that price. Uh, to get some sort of feel, so I don't be uh, um, yeah, precise here, but some sort of feel for roughly what is that long-term value, that, the real uh, real value of gold uh, that prevails, and it's a little under six hundred dollars an ounce. So it's a big premium to that. There, there are there are good reasons why it's at a, at a premium to that, um, but but I think it has become um, uh, much more speculative than than uh, than than tips um so so uh, we we own tips uh and other index link uh, government bonds in roughly a 10 to one relationship uh, to gold so gold is is uh, great i think that the time when gold does better than tips is if people start to think we might lose everything so the financial system is collapsing or, or it might not. It doesn't have to be a. Um, even in the worst, so, so if there was political instability in China, for instance, uh, a lot of Chinese people have made a lot of money. If they all decided to put ten percent, just as a hedge, into gold. Uh, the price would be very high indeed. So, so um, it's really a, a, con, a continuum of risk. It, I, I think tips, in my assessment, is probably a better, better defend, defense against uh, inflation. But if you're talking about losing everything, or the much more extreme uh, circumstances, then gold probably does better.
0: That's very interesting, Peter. So, in terms of crises, where do you feel we are with this crisis? Is this it's a different kind of crisis, obviously from the uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine financial crisis? Um, do you feel it? Is it it's is it severe or just different?
1: Well, I think that the um,
0: I mean, the gold did very well in the banking crisis. It did.
1: It did. Um, but, um, but it could also fall back. So, so uh, it, it, you only have to reflect on the history of gold since it was, uh, became a free market in, in 1971. Uh, to recall that, that in 1980, I think it was, it hit $850. Uh, and then we got to uh, what's known in the market as the Gordon Brown Low, where the UK sold uh, all its gold at 250. Um, there was plenty of inflation between the two um so so uh it sure didn't hold its value then uh so but, in terms of how big a crisis we're in, i think it's uh, um it's been a continuum really since the late nineteen nineties or even the mid nineteen nineties when greenspan began to adopt his very accommodative monetary policies um and in doing so encouraged the the rise of debt and um he has been—he uh, felt fully justified in, in his policies uh, by the fact that inflation did not uh, develop as many had forecast that it would with that monetary background, um, and um, and but nevertheless excessive levels of debt led to the crisis in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, um, and that problem was solved by more debt. Great. Uh, great uh f- fiscal deficits and and monetary printing uh, qe um and and uh in the 10 years since we have seen um, monetary policy again with a huge bias towards ease um and and uh and debt increasing uh ever more, and we had the odd situations, so even before the virus began, were um, in a reflection, I think, of Hyman Minsky's uh, theories. So, Minsky, you'll recall, uh, said that um, when you have long periods of stability, it encourages more and more speculative behavior um, and therefore breeds its own instability. Um, And I think a very similar thing has happened to inflation. So, the constraint on monetary policy and on fiscal policy has always been fear of, of developing inflation, and you have to be quite old, Gavin, to well over fifty, I'd say, to have experienced as an adult and uh, involved in the investment world to have experienced uh, inflation as a problem. Um, it's always been there in the background, but it's just it has not been a problem, and so we had the really uh, extraordinary situation uh, in our view anyway uh, that before the virus struck we had a fully employed economy in America huge amounts of debt a fiscal deficit of over five percent of GDP and Congress and the White House were talking together about putting together an infrastructure fund to be paid for with printed money uh, uh, to uh, the, to develop the infrastructure of America, which which surely needs uh, spending, but but nevertheless, the the, the um, what that showed was that the fear of inflation had completely evaporated from from the uh, minds of, of policymakers.
0: So, do you think we've all been lulled into a, a massive sense of complacency because of these decades of lower inflation, and 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 we're just relying on. Um forces of deflation yeah uh, or disinflation to kind of keep keep that down but um and and now the the governments and central banks around the world up following the coronavirus in responding to the the situation that they're taking their interventions to a a new level so um and you've been commenting on how this you know there was a big blurring of monetary and fiscal Mm -hmm. policy going on in in, in the uh, various measures being taken do, do you see? You've referred to. You're talking about inflation. Did you see that a surge in inflation being the biggest threat from this blurring and in, inflation?
1: Well, in uh, uh, it's interesting. The, the word threat. So it's a threat to your money and mine, um, but it actually is. I think part of the solution to excessive debt, because when debt is as is as excessive as it currently is, uh, there are only essentially. Uh, two ways to to, um, uh, to resolve it. Uh, and it's already at levels where I think it is a very big constraint on growth going going forward. So it has to be resolved. Um, and there are only two ways to resolve it. One is uh, a lot of it gets defaulted upon, um, which is uh, what happened in the thirties, so normally involves depression. And the other is uh, what's called financial repression which is to say elevated levels of inflation associated with interest rates that are far below that level of inflation so in other words that the value of the debt is inflated away and that has to go on in, 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 uh, in my assessment uh, for long enough to bring the real value of debt into a better relationship with assets and incomes in the in the real economy um so uh, the the um uh, the extent of the inflation is really difficult to call. you can achieve that end either by an extended period of reasonably elevated inflation with, combined with with low rates uh or by a shorter period of of, of um of very high inflation uh, and and that would um obviously achieved much quicker so if you look after the situation after the war obviously um, almost every country had very high debt uh, government debt uh, after the war uh, and in france they they uh, they had you know, really very elevated inflation 50% that sort of thing um, and within 5 years their ratios were wonderful so so um, it, we we uh, were much more moderate of course um, we had uh, a long period of financial repression, uh, but nothing as extreme as that. Um, so it took us to, to the end of the 70s to get to the same situation as they were they had achieved in 1950. Um, and it's interesting, because French growth is actually much better than the UK's uh, after, after that period, after 1950. Um, uh, so uh, who, who knows what's, what's what's better for the economy? But what's for sure is that, that, that we do not want uh, uh, very elevated uh, levels of inflation uh, from a society's point of view uh, so 15
0: peter i might be falling into the trap of, of being complacent but uh, you know you've been talking about the this uh, need for inflation and therefore you know but the, the threat to, to inflation uh, at some point you've been talking about this for some time and it leads you to manage and position capital gearing in the, in the way that you've described and that's been very successful uh, um avoiding the big falls in stock markets and uh, participating in some of the, the gains so that's all very good but uh, but the, in terms of the inflation has the uh, the inflation hasn't the genie hasn't escaped the bottle yet right. in the way that you've described to, to, uh... um how could we be sure that it be sure sure that it yeah. will that
1: you'll be okay. right so so the first thing to say gavin is we can't be sure of anything <laughs> that, that there is no precedent for, for the situation that we're currently in um but um you know i, I was just talking up till then not not, not about the evidence that inflation is going to develop shortly but but um but about the consequences uh so the evidence is, is um is quite interesting so the first thing to say uh, is that one of the reasons why Greenspan was able to produce, and his successors were able to produce uh, a very easy monetary policy without inflationary consequences? Uh, was uh, globalization. Uh, so I, I think it was the IMF uh, who, who suggested that um, globalization had not 1% of the inflation rate in, in uh, Western countries uh, for each of the last you know, 20, 25 years. Uh, so that's been a, been, been a factor which is. At a minimum, not going to be helpful going forward. And looks looks as though it's going to go in reverse. Because even before the virus struck, globalization, defined as the percentage of, of trade relative to world GDP, was falling. Um, and everything we've seen subsequently from the relationship of, of uh, the US, particularly in China, uh, and but also. The uh, very pronounced uh, uh, emphasis on protectionism, in one form or another, of the reaction of of, of countries to to the uh, virus. Um, so I think that's a uh, that's one element that will go other way. The other is um, that the the scale of the response is completely different from two thousand eight two thousand nine. In two thousand eight two thousand nine, the the uh, Governments had big deficits for 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 a year, and then they clawed it back. I don't think that's going to be true this time. So we had austerity. Um, I th- I think there isn't a word on the planet uh, which has less relevance to 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 our future than austerity to our immediate future uh, than austerity, because uh, it, it is uh, not advocated by anybody, not by academics. Actually, it's not. Completely true of academia but 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 of mo- almost the, the consensus of academia uh certainly the media uh, uh, are uh, forever warning and, and, um, the ft for instance if you read that uh weekly you know, that there's no stimulus that they haven't uh, approved of um and um and um And among politicians, we hear from our own uh, own Boris that that, uh, we're not going to get austerity. I think it's plain we're just not going to get austerity, whoever runs uh, uh, America particularly. Um, And um, not only that, but there is a requirement for a lot of fiscal stimulus. Because looking forward, if history is any guide, savings rates will be quite elevated. at personal savings rates, that is. Um, And it seems likely that corporates, with the excessive debt they already have, and the scare that they've had, uh, will be very slow to uh, spend money on on CapEx. And so we have a situation that Keynes would have recognized in the 30s, where you've got a a demand shortfall. And that will be made up, I'm fairly confident, by governments. Um, So it isn't just that we're going to have extraordinary deficits this year. So they're generally forecast to be about 17% of GDP for the for the Western world. Um, but uh, I don't think that we will see um, anything like a contraction in those deficits that we saw after the 2008-9 crisis.
0: Okay. So Peter, it sounds like it, it could be different this time. Um, could you tell us a bit more about the the, the, the tips the uh us index linked inflation linked government bonds that you're that you've been buying and because uh, that's the main defense that you have against this uh, uh rising mm-hmm. inflation um i mean I, I think some people would be listening to this might think you know government bonds us government bonds long-dated ones you know what kind of return are you getting off them um you know interest rates and yields have come down such a long way what what do what did tips right. give so, you right so uh,
1: so you're absolutely right that that uh, we have had a wonderful run in 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 tips so so of course we keep asking ourselves the question uh you know, should we uh, continue to to uh, to own them uh, the specific answer to your question is that for 10 years it's minus 1 real and for 30 years it's minus 0.3 um and it is uh, a measure of how difficult it's going to be to preserve the real value of assets. That we believe there is significant capital gain to be made in in, in tips from from those already uh, record low yields. And the reason for that uh, comes back to the financial repression that I was talking about before. That um, it's pretty clear. That, that a matter of policy, uh, that if we get the inflation, so that's that's an argument, which I, I think we will, but, but, but um, the, the, that's certainly not a consensus view. Um, but if we get the inflation, that nominal rates will still remain very low, and therefore real rates will be substantially negative. Um, and therefore, we think that there will be a significant further capital gain. E- even from here, it's been a wonderful run. We've been uh, very much enjoying it, but,
0: so just to, to, to understand the basics, so the negative yield on those tips that you just mentioned—that means that uh, you bought them at a price, which will mean if the the, the the price at which they were redeemed at eventually will be will be lower than the price uh, well, you paid.
1: Uh, not in nominal right. terms. In real terms, it will right. be as as indeed it, it, uh, will will be the price of the um, of nominal treasuries. Or guilts, or whatever, uh, they, they will fall in real terms, um, uh, even if you pay no tax on the income. So that's um, so. So that that is that is the world we are in.
0: I see. So they they're they're low returning at the moment, but if you're right, their value will increase because their returns are yes. linked to inflation. So
1: so they're, they're, in other words that the um, the risk free rate, so to speak, will get more negative in real terms. So, so that doesn't that that could mean that the treasuries do, do quite poorly because uh, you you can still keep rates well below inflation but well above where they are today. Um, so so, uh, so we, we are very cautious indeed about uh, long-term nominal government bonds.
0: Okay. Well, th- thank you for the uh, explanation on, on the on the government bonds there. I wonder if we can mm-hmm. turn back to equities because a uh, l- lot of our uh, listeners, you know, invest in possibly invest in your investment trust, but they, they invest in other investment trusts. I think they'd be interested to know, you know, what you were buying um, in, in March, in the dark days of March when there was a big sell-off. Um, you had uh, some cash in your pocket, quite a lot, and uh, you have taken some profits. Um You've you um, you'd taken some profits in uh, these industrial holding companies like uh, uh, Investor, AB, and uh, Castellum. And they're both Swedish companies. What, what's the att- attraction about okay. them? And were you buying back into them having. Uh, uh, so, Investor,
1: yes, Castellum, uh, not really. Um, but but um, the attractions of Sweden are um, actually, I should back off and, and just, just say a more general theme has been that. Uh, we recognize two, uh, two factors which are developing or two themes which are developing. Uh, one, obviously, uh, is that the cost of capital has gone down, risk-free capital has gone down. Um, and the other <clears throat> is, that in our view, the riskiness of the structure of the economy has gone up, um, and, and um, therefore the risk of, of uh, equities has gone up but if you can buy companies which have secure fashion cash flows um, which are in some sense uh, in some form inflation linked uh, then we think the values of those will rise if they are secure they do prove to be secure so uh, what we were buying uh, was um, largely on that theme so Take for example a company like TriTax Big Box. Uh, they have warehouses which are let to good credits uh, for uh, fourteen years on average, um, and their tenants have put a lot of money into their uh, machinery inside their their warehouses. So, um, so there's every incentive for them to stay there, uh, even when that. Come to an end um so essentially what you're looking at is a credit portfolio if these companies can stay solvent then then, then um uh, then the uh rents will be paid and the rents are uh, inflation adjusted um and uh so the biggest client is amazon uh we have every hope that amazon uh is credit worthy um let hope that proves correct or be very expensive for a lot of people Um, uh, And um, they sold off absolutely with the market. Uh, As I say, in in sell-offs, correlations go to one because you don't have any choice. If you want to take money out of the market, you don't have any choice about what you sell. You have to sell what you've got. I mean, that's just as simple as that. Um, And I think that's that's probably why correlations go to one. But anyway, they they did sell off to to a very big discount to to their asset value. we started buying them um, too soon, uh, uh, so uh, they fell another twenty percent after after uh, we started buying, but we carried on buying, um, and then now back up roughly to asset values. it is. It's a it's, uh, it's a good fifty percent off the bottom, um, and and so that's that's been great. Uh, the attractions of of, um, of Sweden, apart from the else, I culturally like Sweden. So it's, it's that this is real prejudice but but um i love do you have a personal
0: do you have a personal and, connection family connection but i
1: just so. love the fact that when you talk to people yeah. who run swedish companies um i, I if i could just tell a brief anecdote I, I, there's a, a, a splendid uh, woman who runs a property company um and she said i have this real this real problem when i meet american hedge funds uh they say what's what's your a performance fee, and she says I don't have one, and they say why do you try? And she says because that's my job. <laughs> I, I try very hard indeed, um, and and it just it just a, 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 a the the corporate culture in, in in Sweden is one I think is just much more attractive than the American corporate culture, which is which is so short term and 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 um, you know share price orientated that I, I think is is not constructive for the long term um, but also the swedish currency is extremely cheap um it's been performing actually rather well for us this, this year but, but but um remains extremely cheap because it has to remain competitive with germany and the currency of germany has to um, has been kept down by its membership with the euro euro which whose uh <coughs> which trades at a level which reflects the, the issues of the, the Eurozone as a whole rather than, than, than Germany. Um, so so uh, it is extremely cheap. Um, I it's, think it's very well run. Fiscal policy tends to be very responsible. Um, uh, and and uh, so I think it's a very attractive currency. Um, but on top of that, um, if you take a stock like Costellum, uh, the appeal of Costellum uh, was that. Exactly as before, that it, it had uh, gently rising in real terms uh, rents, which were extremely reliable. Um, and it's financed. So, this is a key point that people who invest in investment trusts will. Excuse me, just a second. Uh, the people who invest in investment trusts will recognize that investment trusts develop an NAV with the debt, the prior charges at fair value and if you uh, look at uh, uh, companies in um, actually in a lot of large parts of the world but, but particularly in in uh, germany and, and sweden where interest rates are very low the debt side um is very cheap they're not the, they're they're paying negative real rates uh, typically um and so if you can own assets that are, that uh, rise even gently in real terms but are uh, but have financing at at negative real rates uh, then then the position looks looks uh, pretty attractive for the medium term so i should emphasize that that we think returns from every asset so so, um, uh, looking forward for the next 10 years on our models the s p will produce roughly zero Uh, this this is all in real terms Uh, the s p will produce roughly zero maybe uh, we think the UK and Japan are a bit cheaper than than, than that, and probably do produce something rather better, but um, but very very modest levels of prospective return, um, and um, if we're right about inflation, uh, it won't be nearly as good as zero.
0: It's a very bearish outlook, isn't it? Uh, just going back to the uh, the investment trust uh, s- s- side of things, you were you know faced with probably lots and lots of potential bargains uh, back in March. Uh, some investors have been uh, complaining. Um, you know, for example, I've been speaking to investors at uh, Miton and Hawksmoor. They're complaining that they they bought uh, uh, investment trusts when their share prices were trading on very wide discounts uh, during March, um, but that those discounts and some of those trusts haven't narrowed uh during the rebound in other words the share prices have mm-hmm. you know have not been participating as much in the recovery as they would have liked um and so therefore hurting their returns uh, do you agree or did you, well, did you uh, suffer you I,
1: I, I don't know what they've bought uh, i really can't comment on that but but um we, the interesting thing about march was that after a long period so investment trusts Used to offer terrific opportunities for for uh, for discount arbitrage, if, if for want of a better word, um, and um, the the those opportunities were very rare in the three or four years leading up to, to, to the end of 2019. Um, in March, there were some signs um, that that uh, the the um, discounts but we're starting to offer some opportunities and we bought some things we bought um actually uh, nine or ten different situations um and um we we, we um uh, many of which i won't mention if you don't mind because we're continuing to buy them but, um, and, they're, and they're not very liquid um but uh, but uh, but actually, it hasn't been our experience that they haven't bounced. So, so um, among things we bought, uh, which were a little more liquid, was Witten. Was so Witten went out to a 15 discount. Um, I think Witten is, is pretty well run. Um, uh, it, it, it traded somewhere around four or five for, for a long time before 2019. Uh, and um, in fact, the I'm afraid we we try not to take a very short-term view, but they bounced, and we were able to sell them on three discounts. So to, to, um, uh, that that was obviously quite satisfactory because the assets bounced a lot too. Um, but um, uh, but uh, the sell-off was very brief. And what have I what I have observed about investment trusts is that in bear markets. It's really towards the end of bear markets that you get the best opportunities. Because I think, in a sense, people sell on their assessment of what the asset value will be next week rather than today, if you know what I mean. And at the end of bear markets, that, that assessment is always that it will be down. So they don't mind if they have to take a rather l- larger discount because they think it it will be a small discount to the assets as they actually develop. Um, and um, but that's just that's just speculation. I mean, I, I, but the, but the fact is that that as as bear markets develop, uh, the the opportunities tend to get better. And they this was too brief. We we had a V-shaped recovery in in, in the in the equity market, um, and and so that psychology never really developed. But there were there were a number of opportunities. Um, and what what we always like uh, is. An ideal investment um, is is one where you buy at a large discount um, and have assurance from the structure that that discount will disappear over time. Say, um, for instance, where, where uh, the, the company will, will offer a, to, uh, to buy back shares at NAV at specified periods, those sort of things. If you can buy those at large discounts and, and their assets which are properly run, uh, that's obviously extremely attractive.
0: Well, that's interesting you say that, Peter, because actually, whether it was a, a, a brief sell-off or not, it was it was quite it was obviously a very severe one. But uh, it, it seems to be uh, have caused a, a revival of um, activism or investor engagement. Call it what you will, but there's a number of investors, well, a couple of ones I've just mentioned already, who are you know pressing boards uh, of investment trusts to to, to do, do more in the the direction you're talking about um, to, to narrow the gap between the, the, the shares and the, the discount, the gap between the shares and the net asset value. Um, you've um, spoken out about one particular case, Gabelli Value, uh, North American uh, Equities Trust, which has um, been performing uh, badly. And uh, it share, some shareholders uh, and the board Want to, there to be a continuation vote, and want the the vote to be negative for the for the trust to to discontinue. Um, why do you think? Uh, but the the manager has uh, or an associate of the fund manager has a, a, a large stake and doesn't want to do that. So um, you think it's a bit of a test case, don't you? For uh, for corporate governance? Well, that, it's interesting.
1: Corporate governments we have been involved with all the time I've been running money. That's but but uh, until the end of last year. It has always been um, behind closed doors to having chats with the chairman and the board and that sort of thing. Or sometimes at the AGM, but it doesn't normally get reported. Um, And and, um, the reason for that is that we don't think it's our role to embarrass people. Uh, and, And in fact, if people are embarrassed, they find it much more difficult to change because it looks as though they're changing under pressure um so, so uh, we we have always found it much more effective to talk to people um, on a friendly basis about what we think that, that would, would um, benefit them and, and um, in doing so doing benefit us um, and and corporate governance has become much more prominent uh, as, as a as of interest to, to journalists for instance microsoft like yourself, Gavin. um uh in in uh just in the last year or so uh but it's still i think the weak sister in, in the esg trilogy um if, if trilogies can have sisters but um remember um and um and it's very interesting so investment trust if you'll permit me to talk for a second uh, uh, you know uh, is a movement to which i owe a great deal um but and, and much of the record of of, of of capital gearing has been built on on investment trusts, and I want it to prosper, uh, but it has suffered really badly from changes in regulation of one kind or another, whether it's um, Basel II or, or MiFID or whatever. Um, with the result that there are probably 300 trusts which have no relevance uh, going forward to the role that that, that uh, they should play or when were set up to play.
0: That's a that's a big that's a big sorry to interrupt Peter that's a big number three hundred there's uh there's only around four hundred or so uh uh investment trusts that are members of the uh, trade body association yes. of investment companies so um you're, you're talking by number that's three quarters yes. of the industry so
1: so that sounds dreadful but but the the reason for it uh is <laughs> that the uh, among other things uh, liquidity it has been uh, very much impacted by regulatory change um. But the requirement for liquidity has been driven up by regulatory change. And the result of that is that, I mean, people have different estimates, but, but it's that a, a trust, other than very highly specialized trusts, so I, I, there are exceptions, but, but as a broad statement, people with standard kind of portfolios, uh, you really need to be something quite close to 500 million in market cap to be uh, to be relevant. Unless you have a ZDM, so a zero discount model, which would would allow um, people to buy and sell in size, because providing the underlying assets are, are liquid, um, there is no limit to how many uh, shares you can you can buy or sell in in a in a zero discount uh, trust.
0: So just to to explain uh, to some of our listeners uh, Peter, so a, a zero discount policy is a policy by which you're either uh, issuing shares or buying them back to ensure that the share price is as close as possible to the underlying net asset value because some of the problems we're talking about are where you know there's a big discounts or big premiums uh, occur with the share price being either a long way below or a long way above the the, the actual asset value um, and you've been running that policy for yeah. five years.
1: So five it, it's it's been, I think, very beneficial for the for the trust. Um first uh not least, of course, because it's it's grown quite nicely. So so I so say the um the market cap when I started in eighty two was around half a million, and it's now a little over five hundred million or five hundred and twenty. So so um it, it's a thousand times bigger. Um but um the, the we we adopted it uh, because we wanted to avoid the premium that, that we sometimes went on to. Because I always felt responsible to the shareholders that that uh, that we had, and if someone paid twelve fifteen percent premium, um there was a stage back in the eighties when it went to a two hundred percent premium. Um but uh, I'm happy to say they've outperformed if they've kept it. <laughs> but uh the next. But um the, the um y- you know, we couldn't do anything to protect those people. If 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 the uh, if the premium stuffed off and they lost 10% of their money, they probably were quite cross, but 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 it's um we couldn't do anything to protect them. Um but the, the concept behind ZDM is that yeah, exactly as you say, that every day we are we offer to anyone who wants to 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 either to buy shares from us from the trust at a very small premium or or to sell them back to us at a very small discount so that makes sure the price is always
0: it's a neat solution yeah i think it works very well yeah it's it's a neat solution, Peter. But I suppose the, the risk the risk for some of these investment trusts that you're talking about, the smaller ones, is that if they haven't got their proposition correct, if the investor demand isn't there, um, and they start buying back the shares, and they just keep buying back the shares, the, the, they shrink away to, to nothing. And so a, it, it's a high risk strategy, isn't it, for a, a smaller investment? Well, I would trust argue not. Grow. But you're saying they should. I, I would argue not, anyway.
1: um, first of all, it's the only way they can grow. Um, but secondly, no, rather more contentiously, if seriously no one wants their money run by them, um, th- th- then, then what role are they playing? I mean, they they have no viable trust to begin with. I don't think the risk is high. Uh, you, if you're if you're already out of the game, then um, it's a gamble where where, uh, where you can you can win, but but I'd, I'd say you can't really lose because if if, uh, if that really is the circumstance, you should wind up anyway. Um but the, actually the history has been uh very much biased towards um, uh, towards success so um there have been uh trusts which have which have, you know, not very many trusts which have adopted this, but more and more people are thinking about it um and there tends to be a bit of a j curve, so there are people who uh, um, who have owned it when it was a at a discount um We're just grateful to get out at at asset value or close to asset value uh, to begin with but they haven't been huge historically it's been it's been very interesting how successful this this strategy has been um so long as of course the key thing is that they believe that that mechanism will be maintained sustained so there has been a big problem with some trusts uh which again i think is a real problem for, for corporate governance where Promises have been made that the, the discount will not go to more than five or ten percent, whatever it might be, uh, but they haven't been kept. And once once you haven't kept it, then then you're in big trouble because no one believes anything you say.
0: Mm. It's interesting. Is the investment trust sector does it have to be judged by higher standards than elsewhere? Because you know one of the great advantages that we're often told about investment trusts is this uh, independent board of, of of non-executive directors that. Uh, um that they have or most have um but um you're highlighting nonetheless that there are you know numerous problems with uh with the sector basically being populated by too many small trusts that uh haven't really got uh, yes but, i mean that situation
1: has developed relatively recently said so, so i i think that is so i don't want to be too critical of, of boards but it is peculiar to me uh, i find it just interesting that the boards of investment trusts uh, are so much less ambitious than the boards of practically every other operating company so operating companies um the 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 thrust of board meetings as a general statement is how do we grow um and the, the it's unique among among companies that that people think they've done a good job if if they just hand it on the same as they as it was when, when they took it over, having been run competently and honestly. You know, um, I would say that's uh, a poverty of ambition.
0: So you've mentioned the hurdle rate of a, a hurdle of five hundred million pounds as being a, you know a, a decent size of, of investment trust mm-hmm. that will have a viable future, and you know all the wealth managers will want to put potentially put it on their... Buy lists and that sort of thing. Um, that's a level that you're you're about to reach if so you've not reached already it, yeah, after this yeah. year's but it, performance. But in our case, We're just over I, I just, climate just, climate.
1: just to to uh, to repeat, um, if you have a ZDM, then the liquidity problem goes out of the window, providing that you have a liquid portfolio underneath that so you can you can fulfil. The, uh, the,
0: because you're always you're, yeah. you're always there to yeah. buy the board is always there to buy the shares. Yes, absolutely. If nobody else is. Yeah. yeah. So somebody can always yeah. sell. That, that is the key. And, okay. and do right, you think but, that there, there are so many? Oh, yeah, there are so many trusts below 500 million pounds. Do you think there needs to be a lot more corporate activity mergers and, and bids to bring um, similar trusts together? Well, in, the combination I mean, the broad
1: answer to that is yes. Um, it has been a real surprise to me. Uh, that we haven't had more more consolidation, um, even uh, say so without naming names, but even where, where houses have two trusts that are essentially identical, uh, but there seems to be a very little appetite among boards to to um, uh, to consolidate thus far. So as far as we know, so I hope that the conversations going on within the boards are are more constructive than I'm sounding. Uh, but um, I, it is a, a surprise because actually. As a as a whole, I think that the directors of, of uh, investment trusts are high quality people, um, and uh, you know the the it has been suggested that that um, the reason why they don't consolidate is that their own jobs might be at risk, at least in the short term, um, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, they enjoy being directors and and, and so forth. Uh, but actually, I, I think that's not right. I, I, I'm uh, I have more faith in in the in the quality of people that that, that make up boards, and and um, I just think it's the zeitgeist has not quite uh, quite got there. Um, and uh, but but there are a lot of pressures, so uh, brokers, investment banks, are certainly in some cases that I'm aware of becoming reluctant to take on trusts that have no viability and no plan to solve it. Um, so so uh, I think that there'll be significantly more, well, I think we are in the middle of significantly more pressure uh, to rationalize the, 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 the trust business and, and, um, and make it more relevant to the people we're here to serve. We're all here to serve, as it were, the surgeon in Oxford, who is a very good surgeon and, and, and has less interest in, in investment, you know? but nevertheless wants his money run professionally.
0: It's interesting. There seems to be there's been a mood for this. Uh, I was speaking to Nick Greenwood at uh, Miton recently, and uh, his uh, global opportunities trust, as you know, uh, invests in a lot of heavily discounted uh, trusts and closed end funds. And uh, we were talking a bit about Numis Securities uh, re- this month published a, a report, um, basically calling for uh, or making the case for more consolidation within the sector, along the lines you're talking about. Three quarters of the sector, roughly being um subscale arguably yeah, or, yeah. Or, or not sufficiently large to uh command the attention of of wealth managers the stockbrokers who are the you know the main buyers in, in bulk of, of investment trust shares um and and, and we've seen more evidence of uh, you know at, at gabelli and uh, uh and other places rdl realization uh, formerly known as ranger direct a loan company that's one that you've um, had uh, issues with uh you actually had to I was reading your annual report. You had to, to sue them on behalf of uh, the zero shareholders. Well, we didn't actually the sue
1: company. them, but, but, but we retained a QC. Um, and, and his opinions... Okay.
0: Well, you had to, so you had to get quite a legal with them. ...to, yeah.
1: to weigh um, quite, quite heavily. Um, but, um, you know, it's interesting. So I, I read a paper, actually, which is very similar to the Numis um, commentary, which you've, you, you've probably read. It's available on our website if anyone wants to read it um about esg and um very interestingly uh i had a conversation last week with john gabelli uh, mario gabelli i should say sorry mario gabelli um in uh in new york um and um you know he, he's absolutely on side and he's he says he he uh you know, totally agrees with with uh, all the comments made there
0: well, oh, that's interesting. So he's the founder of the fund manager of the company. So it, it, that sounds like uh, he's not supportive continuing well, with. Well, I, belly, I, I, uh, I, no, I shouldn't put words one. in his
1: mouth. I'm not putting it, in, but, but he, he just was expressing great sympathy with the analysis that, 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 that I was, uh, I was putting forward. So, um, so I, I think times are changing. You know, I think I, I, I do recommend the Numis uh, article. To, to, to anyone who's interested in this subject. It's,
0: it's very good. Yes, yeah, so, so times are changing. Um, let, let's have a quick word about your, your business because it strikes me that the, the growth that we've that you've seen in Capital Gearing Trust uh, since you introduced that disc, zero discount policy that we've been talking about, um, that's gone in hand also with the, the growth in your business, CG Asset Management. Um, and you've been planning... Uh, the succession uh, your eventual retirement and uh, but you've got a, a team around you and you've passed on the chief executive ship to uh, alistair lang um so what what how much longer do you want to to be uh, in the in, in the business so uh, you've stepped back as, as the number one but you're the chief investment officer um what, what, what are your what are your plans well, well
1: I should just back up a second, say, say, saying about what we did. So, so I've given this uh, fund, or, or the majority of this uh, of the management company now belongs to an employee ownership trust, which is like John Lewis. So it's a it, it, it's, um, waitress. Um, uh, and um, the, the reason for that is that I've worked for companies and I've worked for partnerships, uh, or been a partner. Um, I have no doubt which works better, which is partnerships because they tend to have a much longer view and, 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 and uh, uh, are more committed to supporting their clients and so forth. Um, and um, so we've tried to replicate the, the, the economics of that as much as we can. So, so the, uh, I say the ownership is, is uh, dominated by, by the workforce. Um, and one consequence of that is that it won't be taken over, or at least very unlikely to be. Um, and uh, so that so often happens to boutiques that that work out well; they just get bought out by a by a big firm, and that's very nice for the founders and so forth. But but uh, on the whole, not so great for the clients, in my my observation. Um, and as the principles of our firm are, are the client comes first, um, is is the first one, and the second one is don't be greedy, and the third is have fun. Um, uh and uh and the last is uh, may explain why um, i have enthusiasm for staying in office for for as long as i as i can so you asked me what i want what i want so you're, you're still yeah. having fun yeah, beating. absolutely um and um i think this situation is absolutely fascinating um i i would like to see out the full circle so we had uh some some very um Easy Keynesian uh, 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 policies, which led to developing inflation in the in the late sixties, uh, that got much worse in the late seventies, and then everything crashed um, as the inflation got got out of hand. When the inflation got so high that it became a political problem itself, and as as previously mentioned, the the um, that level of inflation had purged balance sheets, uh, so debt had been markedly reduced in real terms. Um, that produced fantastic opportunities in '82 when, when, when I started. Uh, you know, PEs were, were seven and eight for quality companies, and it was, it was and balance sheets were in great shape. It was wonderful, um, and I, I'm sort of kind of hopeful that we'll go through that same thing again. Now that took. Uh, perhaps twelve years. Of I
0: see. So you're 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 planning to stay around for for your thesis yeah. to be proven, and then you'll the uh, and then you'll maybe. Yeah. Well, what s- I step back. And, right. uh, so what i really like and, and take the credit from all your grateful yeah. shareholders. Well, what I've
1: realised like is get get through that period, which I hope be less than the twelve years that that took roughly, or, um, or, or perhaps uh, fourteen, uh, uh, and. Um, no, just sit back and, and watch Alistair and Chris and, and, and whoever else you've taken on by that stage take advantage of the fabulous opportunities to produce 50% returns each year that, that, that we were doing in those days. And, uh, you know, as opposed to the very mundane opportunities we have at the moment, which is where the uh, ambition is, is to produce, uh, is really to preserve real, the real value of, of uh, investments and hopefully a little bit more. So it remains fascinating, this thing.
0: Yes, in that scenario, I expect Capital Geary would actually own a, a lot more shares and equities than it has done for a very, very long time, um, like it did when you first took over it um, 38 years ago. Peter, um, thanks very much for regarding both your outlook and, and your and your career and your business. But uh, meantime, thanks very much for Thank you, Gavin. talking to me.